This is Anime DGEN's Weekly Rundown 23. Let's get it. Welcome back, everybody. It is now officially summer 2023 for us. Guys, we're going to start today's order off with Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War, part two. It'll be episode 14. Uh, Then we're going to get into Zom 100, Bucket List of the Dead. We have a bucket list of the dead. We have uh, some really funny inside jokes uh, that we got to share with you guys. And then we're going to get to Roroni Kenshin, episode one, Jujutsu Kaisen, episode one, and then One Piece. 1068. Small correction that's Jujutsu Kaisen season two, episode one. Excuse me. How you boys doing? Good, man. Good, man. Excited to get going with today's recording and even more excited for the fuck it list before I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Something else, man. We thought spring was uh, lit, but here we are. Summer. Summer's starting out with a bang, y'all. Yes, sir. We're always eating. It seems like we're always eating. I mean, when are we not eating, dude? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Because if the seasons aren't that good, we can just go watch old stuff and be fine, you know? Very true. Very true. There you go. You boys want to get started? Let's rock, oh, yeah. bro. Perfect. So we're going to start today with Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War Arc, Episode 14, The Last Nine Days. So as our protagonist train, a surprising announcement is made about Uryu, and we learn about Yuhabaha's power returning. So we all found out that we pronounced um Yuhabaha's name wrong because when I read the manga, the manga, I thought it was Watch, and I think everybody else did. So it's crazy after, you know, I didn't even notice it last season. It's crazy after freaking 10 years. <laughs> we're all idiots. Yeah, me and Dan were like sitting there watching uh I think the the the, the first episode maybe uh during our vacation, we were like, what the fuck? There's yeah, no goddamn way. Yeah. We were watching a dub and I was like, what did oh, you just say? Yeah. That is right, yeah. You didn't watch it dub, so you didn't pick it up, but yeah. I was like, what the hell did he just say? <laughs> Nani? Yeah, Pretty much, dude. On, Pretty much. Nani? So, you, you'll have to excuse us if we, uh, if uh, Dan and I accidentally throw in a you watch every now and then, because that's all we ever known, so. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, the episode started off with a really kind of creepy scene. And it had like a baby who I guess is kind of like the chosen one among the Quincy being lifted up by like thousands of blue hands. What'd you guys think about that? I thought it was fucking creepy. Um, it definitely was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very eerie with like the black background and the, like the blue and black hands. And I was like, they're all trying to get their hands on that baby. Well, they're lifting him up, dude, because he is the chosen one, you know, or something like that. Uh, uh, we got some Anakin Skywalker shit going on. Hey, I mean, they do crazy shit in cults, and that's what this is, right? It's basically a cult. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, it's a very German-esque organization. Kind of reminds me of a certain organization, uh, nineteen late 1930s, early 1940s, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I think I could imagine which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Their outfits do be fire, though. Yeah. 
So after that, we get into uh, Ichigo basically going up to where Squad Zero lives up in like above the Seireite. And basically, they're having a conversation with one of the guys. And he's like, our job is to train you. And Ichigo is like, yeah, where were you about like three days ago? And we were getting our ass kicked out of the Seireite, bro. He's like, yeah, <laughs> not our job. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and he kind of like just accepted that answer too. Like, I don't know if I would have been like, "Yeah, okay, bro." So like, no, you we, got a we, point, we though. Dying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like their their job is to protect uh, Almighty up there, so not yeah. not the Soul Society. So they're up they're up there to protect Brooke, dude, the Soul King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I still don't know how I would feel about about somebody watching us get absolutely washed, though. But, you know, everybody's got a job. I ain't hating. Yeah, I mean, they got like, you know, they got the 13 court uh, squads down there. Plus, their boy Ichigo. So, like, you know, uh, they should be able to handle it, right? Nope. <laughs> should be. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I, but I, I never did understand why, like, maybe one or two of them couldn't come down and help out. Like, maybe they could just, like, put it into it before it start, started and get heavy, you know? But. Yeah, you would for think. Plot's sake, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Definitely. So after that, we actually transport to uh, a scene with all the Quincy's, and it has Yuhabaha basically introducing Uryu as the successor. To lead the Quincy's, that is a bombshell. I mean, that's like Ichigo's boy, and he's just like in line to take over the enemy's like throne. Like, what do you guys think about that? I was extremely surprised. Um, um, you have bought whatever his name is. Uh, <laughs> uh, said he had a surprising announcement, and then I saw uh, Uryu like walking across the stage. I was like, "There's no fucking way, right?" And then he dropped it, and I was like, "Okay, this is this is gonna get interesting." Real quick. I mean, Ishida, Ishida, like, never really liked Ishigo, like, 100%, but mm -hmm. he's always been on the side of the living, the good side, you know, in our eyes, and then all of a sudden, like, here we are, <laughs> he's, he's with, uh, he's with our boy, uh, you know, Yuba, Yuhabaha, so. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying, y'all. We're saying. trying really fucking hard right now. By the end of part two, we'll have it down, don't worry. Yeah, just give us time. But uh, yeah, this announcement came as a pretty big surprise to a lot of the Stern writers, and uh, a few of them weren't happy, especially Bambi and Bosby. Like Bosby went on a rampage, basically, was trying to fight uh, Zhugrub, who was supposed to be, you know, the heir apparent, the right hand of Yuhabaha, and right. uh, they almost get after it before somebody stops him. So I mean, tensions are running a little hot in the Quincy world. Yeah, I mean, like, I would be mad, like, you know, for, for, for someone, you know, I feel like they would just jump the line, you know? That would be like somebody, you know, somewhere where you've been working for God knows how long, and then they just bring in a rando and, like, jumps you in line for the, the next job promotion. Wouldn't feel so great. Hey, man, when you're, when you're special, you're special, you know? Yeah, that's very, very true. I mean, he told him, you know, uh, Aha told him that... They will see why he was chosen, you know, on the battlefield, basically. So, yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah, he told them to trust the process, but like, you know, they, they got to see some shit before they believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm mad regardless. Yeah, I'm surprised oh, yeah. Ugrim, like, 
wasn't wasn't pissed off, but maybe he is deep inside. But hey, man, I, I, he, he might not be. Like he might just have like a bunch of faith. But you know, I guess we'll see. I haven't read the manga, so I don't remember. It was ten years ago, or whatever. So <laughs> I'm flying pretty much with you guys. Like I know the main plot points, but I don't mm. remember much of it. It's been three or four for me. So. <laughs> What did you guys think of Bambi walking up to the random like grunt and be like, you're coming with me? I thought she was going to take out some uh, some frustrations in a different way. You know, she did cut old boy in half, but I think he already hit. <laughs> she was she was zipping up the coat. I think he already hit. He was hell of a way to go. Hell of I a mean, way to like, go. <laughs> shit. I thought it was funny, like how he was like screaming, even though he had just been cut in half. That shit was wild to me. I had to replay that shit like two or three times. I was like, there's no way to edit that sound effect. Definitely. But after that, we go to this scene that I, I loved the imagery in this scene. It was Uryu and Yuhabaha, basically Yuhabaha on the throne. And he like cuts his hand using his Quincy cross and puts it into a little like sake cup. Mm hmm. And is like that you will gain immense power from this. But like the imagery of that scene with just a black background where all you can see is the throne in those two, I thought was really cool. Because, like, in the manga, they... Uh, Kubo did an incredible job using, like, dead space. Okay. There would be scenes where he just put all his detail into the characters, and it was just white backgrounds. So they're kind of bringing that into the show, and I really like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool how they mirrored that in the anime. Um, yeah, before he drank the actual cup, I mean, he had some questions, um, and he was kind of just confirming what he thought. Uh, you're Uryu was kind of like confirming what he thought. He's like, you know, why was I chosen? And uh, and uh, I want to say Baba Yaga, but it's not Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. <laughs> not Ghibli, bro. Yuhabara. Um, <laughs> I just can't get it out of my mind. Um, was like, you know, you, you survived out, outside of the, uh, the Ashwalan for so long. There has to be a reason for that. Um, well, you survived the Ashwalan, uh, so there has to be a reason for that. And uh, that was a good point. I, I had never really thought much about that. I did get to that point in the anime where I saw that. Um, so it was kind of cool that got brought back up, um, even though I only watched like half the anime. Yeah, I was going to say that, that had to be in a flashback, right? Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, I mean, the scene with Uriyo and all of the Quincy crosses of all the fallen Quincy was actually crazy. Like that was that was a lot of fucking people who went down there. Oh yeah. Oh, a fuck ton. A metric fuck ton. Um but yeah, learning that he's going to gain some powers that he's that he switched sides on the on the on the living and the soul reapers. It's it's going to be tough. They, I think they're going to have to uh or you and uh Ichigo and have some some tough conversations or you might not want to talk at first though. It might just be shots. But that's going to be a, a crazy scene whenever we get to it, because we know it's coming. Oh, 100%. I mean, I can't imagine him running to, like, Orihime, because, like, he's always protected her, even though, like, I mean, it's not his love interest per the anime, but he's always protected right. her. I mean, like, when they're in Hueco Mundo, he's going after, like, guys to protect her. And um, I think that'll be a really interesting scene to see if it comes up. I can't remember. I think I think it's, it should, uh, like, he's... His heart's too kind, you know. Uh, I I think he's just been around our main characters for too long, maybe, and it's it's wild to see him in this uh position. And 
don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. So. Yeah, it definitely could be like a like a ploy or something to infiltrate the Quincy's on his end. I don't know. I don't know. It feels like you know the king of Quincy's, uh, you know, would know that. You know what I mean? If that was the case. Yeah, I think he's a little too broken for some shit like that to happen. Um, and like we even, you know, we might see a change of character from uh, or you, and uh, the power might go to his head. You, you never know. Power changes, folks. That's true. Yeah, so after that, we get a little, uh, we transport again. We're bouncing all over the place this episode, and we go to Hueco Mundo where uh, Chad and Orihime are going to do some training, and Mr. Hattenclogs is doing a little research on some Quincy items. So I think, you know, there, it's it laid out a good groundwork for what's going to happen this season, I feel like. It did. I definitely felt like this episode was like a little slow, um, especially compared to uh, part one of a blood war, but I think they just had to get out a lot in this episode as far as like laying groundwork. And I think it's going to start to pick up as far as, you know, action wise here, the next episode or two. The best way I can describe it. This is truly the calm before the storm. So I think, I think after this episode, I mean, you've seen, we'll talk about it uh, in a little bit, but at the end of the episode, shit started going down and I'm pretty certain that the rest of this season is just going to be fighting. So I can believe it and I can't wait for us to get to it. We got a little training montage in there at some point because I mean Ichigo's got a so he's up in uh Squad Zero's land. I can't remember what they call it. Um the Royal and he's, Palace. I don't the Royal is that what they're calling the whole place. Uh, yeah, I think they just call it the Royal so. Palace. Yeah. Okay, so he's going on some training to surpass a soul reaper without his Zombokto. So I think that'll be really interesting to see next episode. And with the pacing that Thousand Year Blood Wars had, I mean, it's been cruising. It's doing like five chapters an episode. So we're going to, every episode is going to be pretty action packed, I feel like, or at least content filled. Yes. And just Even because Ichigo is training doesn't mean, you know, there's no fighting happening. So there's going to be true. fighting happening. You know, we, we've seen it time and time again in Bleach where, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of shit happening while Ichigo is somewhere else doing something else, so. Yeah, that's one thing they've always done is put a spotlight on other characters, which I really like. Yeah. Yeah, they do bounce around really, really well in this anime. Uh, I, I had some some negative things to say about, you know, like the overall Bleach story without Thousand Year Blood War, uh, but they did do a good job about spreading out screen time. I was actually really impressed uh, by that. But speaking of training, we got uh, Ichibi uh, trying to teach up Ichigo on you know how to surpass being a Soul Reaper, and if I remember correctly, he's training without his Sampak Toe now. Do I remember yep. that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So he's training without his Zanpak Toe. I'm not sure if they're trying to awaken another power within him. Within him, I mean, we mm-hmm. found out that he has Quincy blood in him from his mother last season, so maybe. I don't know how Squad Zero would know how to like activate that, but that could be really interesting. I think they're just trying to get him to like um go to another form like of himself, like uh you know what I mean? In in his own way. So he's so. he's going like Super Saiyan Blue Bankai now? Yeah. Yeah, no. Just like that. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Super Saiyan. <laughs> Gonna surpass his limits right here, right now. Yeah, I mean, but like, yeah, if they're making him train without his unpacked toe, like it, 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 you know, and they're saying, you know, 
go beyond being a soul reaper. I mean, it's, I feel like it would have to be like his, his Quincy powers in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Or even his hollow powers, you know, I mean, even his hollow powers, I don't know. It could be, it really could be. Using all three. I mean, that'd be crazy. And I'm sure we're going to see that eventually. I don't know if he like keeps using his hollow powers, but that shit's broken. His visor form is fucking cracked. Oh yeah. Oh, a (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. So yeah, we'll have to see what, uh, Ichibi is, is got got him cooking him. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, man. And a few other things to top uh poke at too. I know uh this there was a lot in this chat or episode. So uh Renji and Ruka. Rukia are training and they're I don't know, they're like staring at each other with swords pulled for some reason, sweating their asses off. Must be training in a sauna. <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> going on here. <laughs> and uh Rukia gets a call that her brother Byakuya is actually healed up. He's been in that hot spring for a long time, man. Mm-hmm. And there was a line I really liked from Byakuga where he was basically like, I need to obtain a power that might will like back up my ego, basically. And I was like, damn, Byakuya is coming. He lost his Bankai. He's going to surpass that shit somehow. Let's go. Yeah, super excited about that. Oh, hell yeah, bro. You know he means that shit. You know he's not just saying it just to be saying it. Like he's gonna come out here swinging, bro. So definitely. And then uh, one other thing to touch on is so Shunsui, who is now head captain. I mean, he goes down to Earth to basically tell Ichigo's, uh, you know, living friends, like, hey, it might be time to say goodbye to Ichigo. I'm not sure what's gonna happen to him. And he gave them soul passes, so if something does happen, they can actually go to the Soul Society to say goodbye to Ichigo, which I thought was really cool. Uh, that's something that Yamamoto would not have done. No. Oh, hell nah. Um, and Shunsui, you know, he actually said it was like, what, one in 1,000 chance that whatever yeah. he was talking about, one in 10,000 chance that it was going to have that this was going to happen. Uh, Yamamoto definitely wouldn't have let that went down. He wouldn't have gave a fuck. Um, they did them a massive courtesy by even telling them about this going down. Um, and we got to see the drippiest motherfucker in all of anime, dude. (laughs) Shunsui's got that look, man. Like that robe is so fresh. Oh, it is. I feel like if I was going to cosplay, I'd probably try and go, go Shunsui, dude. With the, with the, uh, with the eye patch and like the hat. Woo. (laughs) Dapper as all hell. Mm Mm-hmm. So y'all y'all vibing with him as a as a head uh you know head dude now, even though like he has like lazy tendencies. I, I fuck with him. I've been fucking with him. Yeah, I I don't know about his head captain, so that'll be interesting to see. But I think you know he will step up and kind of fill those shoes that the Soul Society needs to move on and you know continue thriving. So I think he's got it in him. He's just got to leave that little bit of laziness behind, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think he's he's like he's lazy, but like I feel like he's like fairly reliable too. Yeah, and like that he's gonna still do his job. His bonk is fucking badass too. So, big facts. Yeah, uh, when 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 it was actually announced that you know he was gonna be head dude, head captain, I was like, what did you say? This guy, <laughs> he don't even want to fight, bro. <laughs> like, well, it shocked me so bad, you know, when uh, when I read and saw that for the first time. So. <laughs> definitely man and then i guess uh tyler since you brought it up do you want to get into the last part of the episode um yeah so now we 
I think uh what what was he saying? Uh what's his name? Yuha Yuha Baha, you know, was uh Baba Yaga. Yeah, Baba Yaga. <laughs> Quiet, he was uh, dude. he was reciting the um lines, the uh I'm Kaiser uh I have no idea how to say Kaiser it. Gassong. Kaiser Gassong song. Gisong um, Gassong, one of those. Campfire it's German. Yeah, it's, Campfire song uh, song. <laughs> But anyways, it, it goes, I'm sure everybody knows, um, over 900 years, um, he shall recover his, the king shall recover his heartbeat. Over 90 years, he shall recover his intellect. Over nine years, he shall recover his power. And then there was like, he, I think he was talking to Ishida at the time, right? Yes, sir. And he was like, you know, do you know the rest of it? And I don't think Ishida did. And so he went on to tell him, and over nine days, he shall recover the world, basically take over the world. So he's basically saying that he will have the world taken over and claimed in nine days, starting now, right? Hence hence the title of the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah the last nine days. Uh, I don't, like, when I was, like, watching this, um, that, like, meme came up in my head. Some motherfucking bars. You don't know nothing about that. And I, I felt like you <laughs> was like talking to uh, or you. I was like, oh. yeah, he don't know nothing about this shit, dog. Lay that shit down for him. Yeah, but during this whole scene, like all of a sudden, the Serete is just like encapsulated in like this terrifying, like blood red barrier around it. Like it's looking scary in there, guys. Yeah, it's looking like they're fucking trapped because they said, like, you know, they said the uh, the invasion is complete. So yeah, I mean, they, they, they got they, that they shit locked down, you know. Yeah. So it's the kill zone now. Like we were talking about before, um, and we said we get into it. Like it's fixing to go down up in the Soul Society. Uh, our boy Yuhabaha is there. All the Stern Ritters are there. They got a cat. They got it blocked off. Um, they can't escape. And it's it's go time, baby. Let's we're gonna see what they got. Hopefully, hopefully our boy uh, Shunsui is back by now from the world of living. Cause uh, I don't I don't know if he could get back in or not. I don't know how that works. So yes, sir. I'm the not boxing sure. Boxing is coming, and it's gonna be some good fucking boxing. Yes, sir. I, yes, sir. I, I still don't know if uh, like Uahara and Orihime and them can get over there. I, I'm sure Uahara can figure something out and get them over there. So yeah, old old hat and clock's got that in the bag, dude. Yeah. That's his. That's his game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool. Uh, awesome. You guys got, got anything else? Uh, what'd you guys think of the intro and the outro? Pretty banging, I thought. Yeah, I it's liked. Uh, you know, I was worried the first maybe ten seconds of the intro, but then it banged. Yeah, I like the intro more than the outro. The outro was okay, uh, but the intro I thought was pretty good. It, it felt like a Bleach intro, you know? I mean, Bleach I mean, usually does a pretty good job, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, they, I mean, They usually like, hit it hard, so. They had scenes where the guys were playing basketball, and I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a Bleach intro, dude. It makes yeah, no sense. Yeah, I love sense. that. <laughs> shit that didn't even make sense, they put it in there. For I sure, was like, man. Yeah, hell yeah. You want to get us into Zom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Now we start talking about uh, Zom 100, which was a just one of our, you know, random picks. We we seen it and we thought it was gonna look good, look like it might be a little bit funny, and this shit actually hit it out of the park. Um, 
but first, let's get into our little summary. Uh, this was our first introduction to Zom 100 and to Bug Studio. This is their first film, so uh, they mainly focused on Akira and the work life, which was horrible. And uh, basically about his, uh, I guess, his crush and just his work life. It was, that was basically it, but they made this shit look so good. So They really um, did, man. Yeah. The- yeah. I was Go gonna ahead. say the the episode started. It was I thought it was really funny how it started. So it started with Akira watching a movie about a zombie apocalypse, you know. <laughs> and you're watching like, is this? Are we starting like this hot? And then I all of a sudden, so. it, I thought we were too. And I was like, oh, we're getting right into it. And then all of a sudden, it just goes to like Akira eating ramen or something like that, watching the movie. Like, my first day of work is tomorrow. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh no he had been working there for years at that time no yeah they they actually he was tired back. as fuck he fell asleep watching that shit and yeah. oh, okay. zoomed out and it was like his like nasty ass apartment because he doesn't have time to clean oh that's yeah. right and then we went back in time yeah, yeah. and like he, he was like saying even then when he was watching that uh that film or whatever it was he was like you know compared to my office this is a dr- that would be a dream for me <laughs> i wouldn't be working my life would be on the line but i would not be working I'm just gonna let y'all know, bro. Like, I wouldn't wait for a zombie apocalypse. I wouldn't be working there regardless. Fuck no, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. I'm I'm moving back in with my parents. I'm doing anything but that. Actually, anything <laughs> but that. Yeah. Like, so we go back in time, essentially, to his first day at work, and he's getting introduced to all his coworkers, and it seems really great. And after you know, he meet we meet uh. Otori, who's going to be his crush, everything else, you know, she's kind of a babe. And he's like, oh, this girl's my type. And we're like, yeah, bro, you're going to get it. Let's go. I was happy, and boy. She's so sad. So after his first day, him and all his coworkers go out to a bar to, like, you know, drink and have dinner and, you know, just hang out. And by the end of it, they're all pissed drunk. And they're like, all right, time to go back to work. And he's like, what? What, what, what do you mean back to work? And I think he spent what his first day at work was like forty eight hours or something like that. Like he was yeah, just he there said it for was two full days. Yeah, oh, yeah, two full days. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, let let me reiterate that. Like, uh, after after about fourteen to sixteen hours, um, they wouldn't let me go home. Still, like, I'd win home. Out. I wouldn't even give a fuck. Like I literally would not care, bro. Like I, I just put in a sixteen-hour day, and y'all tell me some go back to work. Y'all had like this shit a lunch break, G. Yeah, I go back home. Fuck off, me. Yeah. What nah. would y'all think about like his mentor or his uh, his boss? Sensei. Yeah. His boss is wild, dude, just screaming at people. And he's like, <laughs> why can't you do this without making it? Why can't you make a decision on yourself? And then somebody makes a decision on their own. He's like, why the fuck didn't you talk to me about this? What are you doing? <laughs> and we all have we've all had a boss like that in our lives, man, who wants eat. They're like, why do you need to run this by me? This is basic. And then you don't run something by me. They're like, why didn't you run that by me? That was important. And you're like, bro, you just bro, told me I'm not blessed, to do that. Bro. I, I see see nah i haven't had a boss like that and i feel like it would be mad problems if i did um i'm generally a little outspoken if i think things are actually bs at work and uh nah you're just not gonna treat me like that you're not gonna tell me to do something then when i do it you tell me not to do it like that's just not gonna fly 
Uh, but I fell for this, man. I've definitely worked jobs where I've had a shitty boss. Um, it's definitely driven me away from some jobs, so I get it. But this this level of disrespect was crazy. It really was. Definitely, man. And then we just follow Akira through like three years of work, and we find the most heartbreaking news out for our boy. Oh. There's a scene where Miss Otori brings him lunch because she saw that he worked through his lunch break. She works in accounting, and then all of a sudden she gets called into the CEO's office. And all you hear is her getting dicked down by this old dude. <laughs> but she was saying no the whole time. Like, I, I feel like that. It was fucked up. She was like, oh, not here. There's people right outside. And then oh, no. the like, I would, I would have a hard time, you know, just ignoring that, honestly, because it felt like that she didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, she definitely didn't. It was it was fucked up. I mean, that guy was a terrible person. Uh, his boss was just a terrible, terrible, terrible person. Definitely. So after that, he gets to go home and he's going to bed. He's like, I wish I wouldn't wake up. I, my life sucks. I hate it. And sure enough, he wakes up to the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> he like falls asleep watching the news, and it's like weird things happen. People are getting bitten, and then he just passes out. Mm-hmm. And he w- w- like comes home to find a, um, or he wakes up to find like a late parking fee for his bike. And he's like, "Oh, I should go talk to the building manager before I go to work." And sure enough, he walks into his office, and he's just eating some. Somebody's getting eaten. <laughs> yes, and he's you like, did, "What you the?" Either the building manager was being eaten or was eating, so. I'm not sure which, but he's like, uh, what? And then the zombie starts chasing him, and we get this crazy scene where he's just running from, like, hundreds of zombies, and it just kind of clicks in his head. He's like, I don't have to go to work today, and the whole mood of the anime changes, which I loved. Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah, I really enjoyed what they did with the colors and the cameras and all that good stuff. They did, it was really unique, honestly. So it was, man. It was like a bunch of vibrant colors all over the zombies, uh, which I assume yeah was, was like blood or something. Um, and like yeah, it, it went from like it went from like the monotone, uh, and it's black and white and some grayscale. And then like as soon as he realized he didn't have to go to work, the sky turns fucking <laughs> blues. There's birds, you know, and a fucking rainbow overhead. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's getting chased by like a dozen zombies. I'm like, this is so <laughs> fucked. Well, thank God our boy is a uh, uh, former rugby player. So, bro, man, just doing parkour the whole time. He's like jumping off of buildings and shit. I'm like, yo, where'd you get these moves, dude? <laughs> rugby doesn't teach you how to do that. <laughs> Obviously, it teaches something, bro. Because that's got what it. running from your free for your freedom looks like, Doug. Bro. Did, like he jumped off that building, like and didn't know what was gonna happen. He jumped off of it and landed in what a tree and uh, yeah. like a canopy or something. Hey man, those canopies save a lot of lives according but to action he, movies. He didn't know it was there though. I feel like I feel like he just like just jump of faith, you know. <laughs> hey man, luck's on his side at that point. He doesn't have to go to work today. <laughs> so feels man feels. But I yeah. absolutely love the use of colors, like you were saying. That was so fun. And um, the fact that they're not just showing blood everywhere, like red mm-hmm. everywhere, and they're showing like a rainbow of colors, I think is super unique and super fun. Yes. And I, I, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was like really, really fun. It was well done. Um, when that when that mood change happened, like it, it really hit how well they like they really did it. Um, because, you know, we've seen some of the trailer you've seen like the cover of it and it's like how you know how are we gonna get there right 
and then it actually happens. And like, he's so happy and I felt really bad for him. And the fact that I felt really happy for him while he's being chased by zombies was an odd feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like any oh. other character we've ever seen in a zombie movie is like, Oh shit, I got to run. Where am I going to hide? And he's like, yes, this is so good. Hey man, if I, if I learned anything from zombie movies, you just run to the Winchester pub. <laughs> Big bet. But yeah, I, I didn't really find anything that I disliked about this episode. I, I thought this was one of my uh, favorite episodes, you know, first episodes of this summer. So it really hit it out of the park as far as that goes. Definitely. Yeah, it was actually really good. I was surprised by how good it was. Uh, I didn't have like too many expectations of this going into this. Uh, and I don't think anybody did, honestly. Yeah, and it's and it still managed to impress me. So, good job yeah. to Bug. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into Bug a little more in a little bit. But um, so continuing on with the episode. So after this, uh, Akira basically decides he's going to go find the first thing he wants to do is go find Atone and confess his love to her. So being a little creep, he finds her emergency contact info in the company uh, registry or whatever. It was an emergency. It was an emergency. He he made that point very clear. He's like, is this is this is this creepy? He's like, but it's an emergency. It just knocks on the door, and um, sure enough, the door is wide open, and he opens it, and he sees his boss, the CEO, sitting there in his underwear, turned into a zombie. And I'm gonna let Tyler explain this because I think this might be his favorite part of the episode. <laughs> so this dude, you know. Uh... He's just, he's a big dude, as we know, and he just turns around and sees Akira, and Akira's, like, doing his own little monologue over here about how... Residing, wow, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get that, though. Like, he's over here just talking to the zombie, like, it's actually comprehending what he says, and he's basically taking off his tie and throwing it away while he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm resigning, I'm quitting right now. My life starts now. And I'm like, bro, you should have done this like two or three years ago. Like, come on now. <laughs> you should have done this on the second day of work, dog. <laughs> yeah. well, there's a lot of companies in Japan that overwork people like this. I mean, yeah. anime studios, tech companies, they all do it. Yes. Like, th there's, there's like no, no rules over there. I feel like everybody gets yeah. overworked. I mean, they were talking at one point, how many hours of overtime did you work? 150 unpaid. And someone's like, let me know when you get to 200. Yeah, it's wild. Like, my ass ain't working any unpaid overtime so nope. <laughs> thank god we live in america have, right yeah that, that would really have me fucked up but yeah i mean this 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 does happen in in some way at some level in japan um i've seen like documentaries on it um about how people like you know even are dying from exhaustion just working uh office jobs which is insane to think about um with, which it can be tiring like, either right so it's it's it, it can get bad but this was like i've I feel and hope that this was in a, a very extreme case. I think it had to be an exaggeration, obviously. <laughs> uh, 48-hour workday. Fuck you. Hey, man, you got a project due, you got a project due, right? Nope. <laughs> but every project being due like that's really fucked up. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Like, I've done 12-hour days. I've done, you know, stuff like that, but never, never 48 straight. Like, your boy's got to get some sleep somewhere. Yeah, I, I pulled some, yeah, I've, I pulled some some back-to-back 12-ers before, but yeah, got to go to sleep. Got to rest up. But, but yeah. so yeah, get to it, Tyler. Getting, getting back to my favorite part of the episode, and 
I have I read the first chapter of the, of the manga, um, and this episode covered the first chapter, and it did not happen like this in the manga. So it was definitely what I thought it was. But this this uh, zombie, his boss zombie, turned around and just started running, and like it was like a a still like a running place uh, type of deal because it was like slipping on blood, I guess running on blood. So he wasn't going nowhere, but his run animation is the famous Titan run animation from AOT. This 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 dude was running like a a, a Titan from uh, the weird Titan, flailing his arms everywhere, you know, his belly poked out, you know, and I was dying laughing. I, and I, I texted the boys. I was like, "Yo, did y'all see that AOT uh, Titan run?" <laughs> I was so confused because I was watching it when you texted when you sent that, and like two minutes later, all I see is this boss running like this, and I started cracking up. I was like, "Oh, he hit the nail on the head!" <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't notice it, and then I had to go back and like take a look at it on my phone. I was like, "Damn, that was it was like pretty quick too. Like you have a good eye. <laughs> I got I got to oh, yeah. end it to you, man. I wouldn't I've have seen it. it. Oh, I mean, that shit that shit scarred me back in the day. You know, I ain't never seen nothing <laughs> freaky like that. So. <laughs> so basically he has his boss running at him and the rugby instincts come out and homeboy tackles him out a window which i i loved and when they did this all of a sudden they did like a flashback to college where it's like cheerleaders and his teammates like he scored a try and i'm like oh my god this is gonna be such a stupidly funny show it's gonna be great dude it's gonna be great and then he goes over to uh Latori's uh, room and she's half naked in a zombie and it was like pretty sad but he got over it pretty quickly and was like you know was like huh? I love you and then just darts off <laughs> yeah man, man <laughs> like, bro you really tripping right now bro it's over you need to say that hey man <laughs> see ya yep. yeah man doesn't realize that zombies don't know what he's saying so but he I, keeps on talking to him so I think he, he had to do it, it for himself him. yeah, yeah he was doing it for him he was doing it for him. And uh, so he runs out of the apartment. He ends up getting chased by a million more zombies, hops on his bike. And the show basically ends with him going to a convenience store, having like a beer and energy drink. I can't remember what it was. And he buys a notebook and a pen. And the episode ends with bucket 100 things I want to do before I'm turned into a zombie. So that's the premise of the show, guys. I'm really excited to see where it goes. So talking about that. He had a few things on there that made me scratch my head, and one of them was skydiving. So, say the world <laughs> gets taken over by zombies, right? You're not skydiving. How are you going to skydive? Exactly, bro. He's going to slowly learn how to fly a plane. <laughs> and then crash and it into jump, the ground. He's going to put it on autopilot, and then he's going to jump out of the plane. Oh, shit. I forget about the scene where he goes up on the roof, and the plane is crashing above him, and you just see Tokyo exploding in the background. That shit oh, was nuts. Yeah. That was actually nuts. I remember <laughs> that was so it. cool. That was so cool. This show's going to be great, man. I'm excited. Yeah. It was yes. like a lot of shit that happened in this episode. And it was like all over Twitter. Like they were saying that this was the best first episode, normal length episode that they've seen in a long time in recent anime history. So, and I, I they may, they that. may be right. You know, I could definitely agree with that. Um, they, they made you really attached to old Tendo slash Akira. Um, it broke our hearts in the middle of this. My old girl getting smashed in the in the in the office. 
uh, made us feel really bad for him, and then they they freed him. They freed my man. You think he's gonna find love though? Probably. I, I you know like that's gotta be on his list. Where he, right, where he's is, going to. There's a bunch of other a characters anymore. <laughs> hey man, that's gotta be on the bucket list, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just a long ass list. Why wouldn't it be on there? Number ninety nine. Lose the V card. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, Tyler, uh, you had some uh, some real life lore about Bug Studio in this episode. Yeah, apparently uh, Bug Studio, uh, you know, they used to work for a, comp- a studio OLM, which has done like Pokemon, Comey, uh, Can't Communicate, and uh, a couple other, like they've done like a shit ton of things, but those are the ones that are like, you know, more uh, popular, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And these guys came from Studio OLM and made their own um, studio called Bug Films. And it's it's funny because they've they actually made jabs at OLM and they based uh, Akira's workplace off of I guess how they felt, um, how they was treated at OLM, um, and like the little staff cards um, that they wear around their neck all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically looks like an OLM. Um, uh, staff card. They just changed the name to ZLM instead of OLM. Them boys, something made something crazy. I and, can't uh, b- believe they're getting worked that hard to make Pokemon movies, dude. <laughs> With a whole Pokemon show out, and dog. movies. So, and then the second, the second thing that they jabbed at them with is uh, we see like the outside of the building of. Uh, um, is uh, Akira's workplace in the anime, and it is like a direct representation of what OLM Studios looks like IRL, apparently. That's and, fucking hilarious, man. Yeah, so these dudes at Bug Film, they left OLM and just took swings at, you know, uh, their past, uh, you know, bosses and their job. And I, I'm here for it, bro. I support it. Hey, if they <laughs> felt like they was getting done dirty, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I love Apparently that. it was. Yeah. If, if that was actually, hopefully it wasn't like that over there. But I mean, who knows? I mean, they've been working there for a while, you know. Um, if the uh, work atmosphere is like that now, imagine what it was like, you know, uh, 15, 20 years ago. So. True, true, true. Definitely. Well, you guys want to get on the next show? Yes. Uh, I've said this uh, last episode, but um, this is the show that I was most excited for, uh, for probably second most excited for, for uh, summer 2023. Roni Kenshin. This is episode one of the remake, guys. It's called Kenshin Himura Batosai. So uh, during this episode, uh, we got introduced to uh, Batosai slash Kenshin, and uh, he kind of goes up against uh, some some dashedly fuckers that are trying to take over the local dojo. And um, it's a pretty quick resolution, but it does int- introduce us to our some of our main characters. Uh, the episode actually opens up with uh, the old Kenshin, Humura, Batosai, killing the killing a bunch of people, a horde of motherfuckers yeah. in the old era of Japan. That was a lot of Shinsengumi members, which is like the Japanese samurai police. Yes. That was a lot of them, dude. He just fucking went ham. <laughs> oh, yeah. And those are, the, you know, the, 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 those policemen, they're the real deal, too. Like, they're not, they're not like fodder. So it was really cool that he was doing that. 
Um, Tyler, I had you watched Haroni Kenshin, Haroni Kenshin before? So, um, when I actually I wanted to watch it, and when I actually went to watch it, mm-hmm. I could not find a sub anywhere. Um, like this was like last year, I think, and I oh, could not okay. find a sub on anything. All I could do was find a dubbed, and I don't know if y'all good, watched actually. the dubbed or really. I yeah, the dub, dub was pretty was, decent. I mean, I yeah. watched the oh. dub. I've never watched it sub because I watched it on Toonami as a kid, you know? Yeah. And oh. if I'm going to go back and watch something like that, I'm going to watch it the way I watched it for nostalgia's sake. Okay, so, you know, I didn't have any issues with um, any of the dub characters except for Kenshin. I did not like his dub voice. And I could not... I watched, like, an episode it, and a half, and then I had to turn it off. Was it his voice, or was it how he talked? It was no, it wasn't the way he talked. Okay, it, okay. He, he has a how, a, a how, weird how old pattern. is he? Like, uh, is he like older teens? No, he's like no, he's like at least thirty. Yeah, oh, he he's has like to be at least that's even worse. He sounds like a like an eleven year old, bro. <laughs> Damn, like I couldn't get <laughs> okay. over it. You know, fuck my childhood. It's cool though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like for someone being so bad in a in a stone faced killer like him. And then, right. you know, the dubbed, his dubbed voice just comes out and just, you know, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> See, to me, like, that was always a part of, like, his draw. Like, he doesn't seem like a stone cold killer. Right. He has, like, point, a, he has, like, a, he has, like, another half to him. Lot, you know, um, I was say, at that point, too, he's just, he is, like, a pacifist. He's a goofy guy. So I think the voice fit him. And I can't remember if they did it in the sub when he went full like badass mode. If he talked a little different, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, in the dub he did talk a little different when yeah, he went, okay, went crazy. Um, I just know that, like I said, I watched like the first like all this stuff that I watched in this episode. I did. I have watched it in dubbed, uh, the okay. original dubbed. Gotcha. I think I watched like a half of, or if not a full second episode before I just had to stop because. I, I was actually going to force myself to watch it all the way uh, dubbed since I could not find it subbed anywhere. And um, uh, this got announced. I was like, bet, bro. I'm just, I'm just going to watch this. So. <laughs> I can wait. Uh, the only reason I wanted to, wanted to ask you that, Tyler um, and Dan, like, did you guys notice like the differences between the opening of this, this remake and the original? Because the original, I thought like he was just like wandering into town and like they made him seem very aloof from the get-go and they didn't really notice they didn't really like uh introduce him as batosai um i can't remember it was so fucking long I thought, ago, okay. i can't remember it i thought the the opening uh scene in the old one was uh we see um old girl uh who is she uh Ka- how do you say Kaoru? that kaori or kaoru kaori i'll just say kaori uh, I think we see Kaori uh, running up to the fake Badasai and um, and then our boy Kenshin walks up at that time. I think that's how it went in the old one, right? Yeah, like it was like him just like strolling into town, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So like, is that I was, how it went? I, I'm pretty sure I remember I'm it like pretty, that. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it, how it went. I just rewatched maybe the first forty episodes like in January okay. of the original. Uh, so like I thought it was a really interesting choice uh, how they opened with him as the, the Batosai, um, with him just like just going crazy. Um, but it's just yeah, I don't think I remember seeing that honestly. I yeah, think it cuts either. straight to Kaori. So 
yeah, I'm liking that that it's a little different. They started off the mood a little bit differently. Um, especially for the new fans, I think that's really, really good. Um, and then we did see Kenshin getting confronted um, by, uh, I think it's Ka- Karu. Miss Karu. Karu? Okay. Yeah, Karu. Um, and thinking he is the Batosai that's been killing everybody doing the crossroad killings, but he's not. But he is the Batosai. And he like just falls over from her like pushing him, and uh, she's like this goofy ass motherfucker ain't no killer. And uh, she like inspects his blade, and she <laughs> sees like the backwards blade with the uh, the uh, I guess blunt side pointing outwards. And she's like, "You'd never hurt anybody with this. There's no nicks. There's no smell of iron. Uh, you couldn't be him." And then she kind of just goes on, and they find that actually the real six foot. I love that they, she said that. Uh, he's six foot six, and he was just an absolute fucking giant compared to everybody else. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. He was huge. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was like swole. I mean, in our world, he'd be like eight foot tall, but to him, like, it was like a, a strong six six. <laughs> I thought it was, it was a funny little detail right there. Hey, I mean, you know, when you're probably four foot tall, uh, I mean, everything looks like it's six, six and a half foot, so... <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, man. Everybody back then was a lot shorter, man. So maybe that's true. That's true. Um, and uh, then after that, yeah, we kind of saw the the. This is our introduction to the Himura brothers, and uh, the, the the big boy, our six foot six guy, guy, uh, Gohei, is like you know he's shouting, "I am the Batosai," killing the policeman, and then uh, uh, Kairu like is like. You know, I'm going to put a name, a stop to this. You're like ruining my dojo's name. I got no students anymore. And he's just like stops her blade with his hand. Uh, and then her, uh, and then she's like, he's like going to go to like stab her. And Haroni's like, I mean, Kenshin's like, nah, bro. Like, let me just, let me just get in the way right quick. So it's, it was pretty much the same episode from there on out uh, from the original. But I still loved it. I still enjoyed it. It's been a few months since I've seen it. And I'm just happy it's back. <laughs> Oh, definitely, man. Yeah, it was really enjoyable. I mean, like, the, I feel like the pacing was a little better than the original, too. I can't remember, so. Um, I don't think they got through the Humor Brothers in one episode the last time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that was like a two or three episode kind of thing. So I like how they're cranking the speed up a little bit. That's always good to see, especially with how fast stuff goes nowadays in anime. But um, I did think it was really interesting that they were trying to sully her dojo's name. And later they get into it that. Basically, um, we get a whole backstory about her father, who, uh, you know, was her mentor, led the dojo, and he got called in to basically fight in the Senin War, which is the same war that, you know, uh, Kenshin fought in Mm -hmm. and passed away. So that's why she's had to take over the dojo. And there's a strange old man that she conveniently finds like in front of their dojo and takes him in and like basically has him work for her kind of thing. And it turns out that that is Gohei's brother, like Bass mentioned. And from the get-go, they've been trying to steal this dojo because it's got some good land to it. And they know that they're going to need to build some build some condos on it, some skyscrapers, <laughs> you know. They know it's coming. <laughs> yeah, they said they, they got the westernization of the of uh, Tokyo coming. So they're like, yeah, we, we're going to need this shit. And they said that the land was going to like value between like five and six times what it was worth right now. And I was like, you know what? You know, I, I don't I don't like how you're doing it, boys, but I definitely feel you. It's free real estate. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was funny, like how uh, Kaoru was like, uh, she just let Kihi, Kihei, um, just stay there. She was like, yeah, you know, the night after like the first uh, killings or whatever, um, we I found him abandoned out front of my dojo. And I was like, you know, that is, it seems like a little bit of a coincidence. And like, he's a grown ass man. Like, what do you mean abandoned? You know? Um, and he's been trying to get you to sell your dojo since you've been there. Like, is this really your friend, dog? And even Kenshin's like, you're a little too trusting. You know that? Um, because I think it, maybe it wasn't, wasn't the first night, but yeah, she let him come back to his, uh, to her dojo too. And I was like, Bro, dude is obviously somebody, and like you just letting people come through at your house where you sleep. You know what I'm saying? It just seemed a little. She is too trusting. Yeah, she's uh, I guess you could say maybe air an airhead, maybe somewhat, right? Well, throughout the story, she doesn't seem like an airhead. She is very trusting, but she I don't I wouldn't classify her as like an airhead. Okay, and she seems a little bit smart, but maybe she's lacking on her common sense. Does that does that sound yeah. better? Yeah, yeah, I, right. I could I could go for that. I could definitely go for that. And uh, I think it's important to also, you know, uh, the Humura brothers are like selling the dojo's name is the Kami Kashin, a Kami Akashin uh, dojo in in the sword style. And I think it is very important to note before we get into the next parts of this episode that they believe at that dojo and having and bringing to the world a, a giving a life giving sword in the, in the spirit of her father. And that sounds dumb because you use swords to slash people up and chop them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, like Dan said, her father went to the city war and died. And, uh, hopefully I, I think him, him and Kenshin are on the opposite side. So God, God bless him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it kind of comes out, uh, Caillou kind of figures out that, the dojo in the next town is probably has something to do with this, you know, the Tosai being uh, in their city doing the crossroad killings. And Kenshin, you know, kind of surprises. The first time I watched this kind of surprised me and was like, you know what? No wonder I couldn't find these SOBs in this town. They're in the next town. Because um, he figured the, the, the bandits and the killers would be in the same city. They're up the killings. Um, so he goes that night. Uh, he goes to investigate the other dojo and is and is calling uh, out the Batosai by name, and the guys are like, you know, you know his name, but you know, you know, you don't know that he's not here. Who the fuck are you? I'm assuming he proceeds to beat the dog shit out of them because he left unscathed. <laughs> um, but back at the uh, Kamiya Kashin dojo, uh, Gohei and uh, Kihei are actually making. Uh, Kairu uh, signed the papers to give over her land and her dojo for nothing, really. They're going to put her on the street. Screw you. This is our land now. You can't come take it. All you have is wooden swords, which we'll get into that in a later episode. Uh, but so I'm, I'm kind of confused, though. Like, uh, sure. they, they just do um, all they needed was her blood. But... Right. If that's all they needed, like not a signature or anything, then why don't they just like make themselves bleed and put on it? Because how how like how, it's, it's if, the they're, if they're in too. that um if they're in that like stone age of top uh confirmation, you know, then why why bother you know going official with it? You know what I mean? 
Um, it's the actual her thumbprint. Oh. So like you could you would be able to see like if she were like I, that's not my thumb and she went to the law, and they were like, oh yeah, this isn't your thumb. You didn't do that. So they were trying oh. to make it look legit as possible. So they just needed her. They just pricked her finger and like there we go, we got you. Hmm, okay. Um, good good pickup on detail. I think that's actually a really good question to ask about this. Um. Because yeah, I've seen this a couple of times. It's the only reason I pick up on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they learned of Kihi's betrayal, like take over the dojo, and uh, Kenshin comes in. And he ha- you know, our man's always being badass, and uh, comes to the door and he's like, you know, this isn't going down like this. Y'all are some crooks. Uh, I know y'all soft because y'all been scheming, and everybody that schemes is soft. And he starts showing his like absolute god speed of swordsmanship. Um, to the naked eye, um, people are thinking he's taking out five or six people at w- one swing, but really he's just going so fast it, he, they can't even keep up with it. And um, he says he will defend the dojo, even though he thinks these the their dream of having a uh, life giving sword is foolish and a lie. He says he'd rather believe in that lie than choose to kill and hurt people. I mean, it is a lie, you know. Just like we were saying before, like you can't have a life giving sword unless. Unless maybe you count killing bad guys as a life, uh, life-giving sword, because then you're saving lives while doing it, but you're still taking lives. So, yeah, I think it's more the play on sword swordsmanship to protect instead of kill. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's learned throughout the, the the story, but you know, just just the way she's phrasing it and the way they say it at the dojo, it doesn't make any sense. You know, no. a sword can't bring life. Um, but yeah, in the end, you know, Kenshin ends up, you know, he's going to leave. And then uh, Kairu was, you know, uh, Kairu was uh, saying, you know, how am I going to, you know, get this dojo back together myself? Um, can you stay? And then Kenshin's like, you know what, I'll, I'll just leave. But he ends up staying. And that was pretty much the whole episode. So not a lot, but we got to see uh, our boy Kenshin fight a little bit. Um, guys, like, I think the big difference between this version of the show and the last one is pretty much just the animation and that one scene at the beginning. Like what did y'all, what, what did y'all think about it? I think it seemed a little darker, like the scenery and stuff. Cause I remember a lot of blue skies and Roni Kenshin. Like, in, I, I mean, I don't remember the first episode very well, but I think it wasn't this dark, you know? Well, a lot of this was at nighttime. That's, that's true. The first couple episodes are mostly. Oh, was nighttime. it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just remember it being a very fun show and not as dark, I guess. <laughs> I, I hope it does like take on that, like light, hearted feeling but our next few characters that we get introduced to should uh make it that way but yeah it did have a, like a some more somber tone yeah so definitely. anything after like the first couple episodes uh i'm not gonna have any idea about so because i've only watched like like i said one or two of the dub so okay yeah i, th- I think you're gonna like it tyler uh it, it's one of my favorites um like from my childhood um and I'm excited to watch it again. Honestly, <laughs> this will be like my third or fourth time, and I I, I can't wait. I can't. Yeah, wait. I, I used man. to work with someone. This was their like top anime, so that's the only reason why Fuck I like yes. tried to watch, uh, you know, the dub because he was always talking about it, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, okay, I, I'll give it a shot. And then I was like, bro, I don't know, man. This this is this. <laughs> well, I'm having this the main character. You know, that's the issue. The voice of the main character. I was like, I don't know. It's I'm hearing him talk all the time. 
I don't like it. So he's just very soft spoken, dude. He's even, I mean, even the, the Japanese voice actor in the remake is pretty soft spoken, I feel like. So, yeah. And I, and I, I feel like he should be for yeah. what they're trying to portray. But that's all I had, boys. On to the next. I think we're on to JJK. I know everybody's really excited for this episode and this season. So spicy. Yeah. So Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen season two, episode one, Hidden Inventory, which I guess is the name of the whole arc. So now we know. Yeah. What, what is it? Hidden <laughs> what? Inventory. The one? Hidden Inventory arc is what it's called. Yeah. Okay. So now we know. I had to Google it. I was like, what the hell is the name of this arc, man? <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the way they're going to do it. Like, they're going to do hidden inventory one, two, whatever, and then go into the next arc and maybe do one, two, whatever. Okay. I don't know. Huh. Interesting. But, but we're going to be covering three arcs, apparently. So, um, in this uh, 23 episodes. So, sweet. So, we're getting sent back in time to when Gojo and Ghetto were second year students. So, this is like, I think it's 2006 where it takes place. And the show starts off with Meimei and Udahime looking for a not-so-powerful curse. So basically, uh, the show actually opens up with Ghetto walking around, and he finds a demon like in an alley. And he's just sitting there mumbling to himself, exercise and absorb, exercise and absorb. Because if you guys don't know Ghetto's power, it should be pretty clear if you've watched uh, the movie at least. Basically, he can defeat demons and then eat their souls and basically like absorb their power and use them as like a pawn, which is fucking broken. It really <laughs> is. Um, it, it's uh, it's nuts because he, I mean, he has thousands of these, and I think that has something to do with their title of this uh, with the hit inventory. He's the only person I know with like inventory like that. That's true. Yeah, he's got the uh, the old. Uh, actually, you didn't watch that. Um, campfire cookie another world he had a hidden inventory a magic inventory that he could just put everything in <laughs> yeah ghetto's so, basically got the same thing it's the same vibes you know he was pulling like a toaster oven out and ghetto's pulling like a, a level five you know curse out so same thing, a little different same thing. <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch out for them toaster ovens dude mm-hmm. but uh so in this time demons are popping up like they're everywhere due to disasters of the last year um ghetto when he absorbs this demon he talks about how demons taste disgusting they taste like rags that were used to clean up vomit and feces homie's just putting these things down man he he's he's got a strong stomach look man like he seems like a normal individual in this episode like a very actually a very caring person and like i can see how like the drawbacks of his power might have made him go crazy because if you had to eat these vomit feces balls um like multiple times a day every day like you might go crazy like i think that could that alone could make somebody crazy bro at least have a chaser man like (laughs) you know what i mean a nice properly placed can of coca-cola to wash it down you know (laughs) six cokes on his belt So after that, we get into kind of the main point of the first episode. I guess the, the big plot points. So uh, Meimei is a second grade sorcerer and Udahime is a first grade sorcerer. And they're going to investigate this mansion that was owned by a barbecue restaurant uh, owner. And they kind of get into it how um, they went under and the father killed himself. And so the place is obviously ridden with cursed energy based on that. Um, 
And it turns out that people have been going there because, you know, 2006, internet is starting to pick up. Everybody's hearing these rumors and everybody's going ghost chasing. So um, a bunch of people were basically just getting killed and going to like look at this mansion and like, you know, just go on an adventure, I guess. So what's going to happen? The sorcerers get pulled in and Maymay and Udahime go to basically check it out. Yeah. And, uh, it was like a cool little scene because Odahime, I, I believe, is Maymay's student um, in some way, shape, or form because it seems like she was like trying to teach her. And, and Udahime was also extremely afraid to be alone uh, in this mansion <laughs> whatsoever uh, because Maymay is like, let's, let's split up. You do, the, you, know, you do the second floor, I'll do the first floor. And Udahime is like busting in the doors. Like, she's like, ah, every time she's like opening the door. Uh, she looks over to the bed of like the last door and like three rats are there and she like just runs out and like slams the door behind her. Uh, it was, it was really funny, like watching her quote unquote work. <laughs> um, but then like, we kind of get into like, uh, they're like imprisoned in this, this mansion that you were talking about, Dan. And like, they figured out that they're like in some kind of like cursed magic where it makes endless hallways. Um, we've seen something similar to this, like in. Uh, Chainsaw, Chainsaw Man. Man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna um, say, like, this whole first episode like reminded me of Chainsaw Man and Udahime reminded me of uh Kobini. Kobini. Ah, yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, oh, like that's... I was like, Am I watching Chainsaw Man right now? <laughs> <laughs> like I swear, bro. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, shows Maymay lets Udahime uh Udahime like kind of figure out what's happening she's like you know you missed one thing other than that perfect and then all of a sudden you know they start running away from each other because that's how they break the 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 curse uh area or whatever and the place starts falling apart and then gojo fucking pops up he's like hello guys i am here to save you and i thought that was a cool pretty cool intro for uh gojo um but then after that uh we kind of like you know get into a little bit of uh gojo and ghetto they're like at a little um basketball court and they're just kind of hanging out and uh they're kind of they kind of get into their like personal philosophies a little bit and you know ghetto saying you know protecting the weak is you know their responsibilities and uh talking about how they should be respecting the process and what people ask them about you know as far as their seniors and gojo's like bro i'm not assigning meaning to any of this like he just doesn't give a shit he's like i'm strong (laughs) i'm gonna help you but like don't look too much into this dude it's not that serious um so it was i'm really like interested to see how ghetto made this switch in his mind i think there's a like a logical pathway to it without actually changing his personality um but i'm just trying to figure out i just want to see how that happened so what do you guys think about that little scene in the in the uh the basketball court i liked it man gojo can fucking ball you knew he was gonna hoop Dude, he could ball, man. He was, he was, he sunk some crazy shots. Like that scene was really fun. Um, I thought it was interesting that Gojo had that personality because, you know, I mean, he is very aloof in like the first season of JJK, but he's more, um, I feel like he cares a little bit more if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, I, I follow that. Like he, he is still a jokester. He still likes to fuck around, but like he's, he's serious most of the time in his own way he's serious um where he was i mean in this in this uh, episode they're second year students so it would make sense more like he's like just more happy go lucky and doesn't give a shit 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like he doesn't give a shit in uh at all in JJK. That's just kind of who he is. But he, <laughs> you know, he does seem a little more serious in future arcs. True. Or curious, I guess. He wants to see what's gonna happen with like Sukuna and everything else. Like he's kind of just experimenting, I feel like, you know? Yeah, he he's I say he's serious, and then we our first scene with Gojo is him like sitting on Sukuna's back. So I might have to walk that back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think serious is the right word, but he's definitely a little more uh He has responsibility. Like he knows focused. he has some responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little more a focused. One. Yeah. What what you think about it, Tyler? Yeah. One of one of the things that I really like about uh Gojo in this season is like his glasses, bro. <laughs> like him not wearing a blindfold, you know, instead of wearing the glasses. Like I, I'm digging that. The glasses so, suit him. Yeah, they really do. I, I wish that he would have kept on wearing them, but, you know, I, I'm not sure what... I, maybe we'll get into that. Maybe we'll get into why he switched from doing the glasses to the uh, the, the headband or whatever. So, um, He was taking on the ladies, bro. That's what it was. I, I feel like it has something to do with his power, but fair <laughs> enough, dude. I agree with that. <laughs> It's also there's a funny scene where they're getting reamed out by the at the time on one of their teachers because they forgot to put up a barrier when they took down this demon and just blew this mansion up. So it was all over the news. It became a natural gas leak, you know, quote unquote. And it's just because they fought a curse there, which I thought was really funny. He's like, how'd you idiots forget to put up a barrier? And then Ghetto and um, Shoko. Shoko just pointed, pointed Gojo like, hey, look at him, man. Not us. <laughs> and Gojo's just like, yep, it was me. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he, he was like, he was like, uh, you know, how about we stop looking for the person who's at oh. fault here? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh, Masamichi's like, bro, I know it was you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, that I, was a good little scene, man. I loved it. It was like pretty lighthearted and uh like funny because i'm pretty sure that it's gonna get really dark really fast so uh so, I think so i'm glad that they're starting off with these kind of scenes because you know I'm, I'm not ready for like to go you know straight dark and stay there so fair very yeah. very fair Definitely. And the episode closed up with kind of setting up for the rest of the season i feel like um basically Master Tengen is the current principal of the jujitsu schools. And he has this crazy ass power where basically he just continuously evolves and he kind of needs to pull a little Orochimaru and find a new vessel to basically stop him from evolving past the point of being a human, which I thought was really interesting. So Ghetto and Gojo get a mission to essentially secure the next vessel, I think it was the Star Plasma, is what they called it. Yeah, the Star Plasma vessel. It's a little. It's like a a girl. It's like a, not like a young girl, like a young woman. I would say. Um, I started getting a little confused at this point. Um, I was trying to take notes and watch it, uh, so I was like pausing a lot. But uh, maybe you guys can explain it to me a little bit. Yeah, basically, just said that that was his that was his cursed energy power, and if he doesn't do this, he's going to evolve past the point of human. And most likely lose his humanity. So to keep that, he needs to basically absorb a new vessel to reset his clock. Okay, okay, and that's when that's what they were talking about. It's like he, when he goes beyond being human, 
he loses like his ambition or something like that. Like he he loses his uh, will. I think he I think he just turns into energy or some shit like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's energy or if he just becomes like a fucking you know human like no emotion monster kind of thing that they're really worried about. So I thought it was really interesting. It was definitely weird. It was. It was. Tyler, do you know what the fuck was going on? I'm not, all I all I know, bro, is this this chick that they're supposed to be uh, watching mm-hmm. just starts flying out the window or out the side of the building, and oh, yeah, they're just like, "Oh it. shit, man!" <laughs> yeah, because you got like the Star Religious Group. I had to look this up. This is how confused I was. Uh, I had to look it up. So it's like the Star Religious Group has like they praise uh, Master Ting- Tingen as a god, and they have a vet because they want him to turn into pure energy, go to a higher plane or whatever. They have a vested interest in actually killing this vessel. And that's why Ghetto and Gojo have, actually have to protect her. So I did get that far. Yeah. Um, and there was also a cursed user group called uh, Q. Great name. Um, who was also that. after them because they want to see the Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, the sorcerers, basically that whole community fall. And what better way to do that than to, uh, create chaos by taking out the master you know ah okay okay so that was a separate group and so at the end like we saw like them talking to fushiguru not an older fushiguru different fushiguru not megami um and I, was he part of that other group q no so q? he's kind of like a sorcerer for hire assassin guy from the vibes i got okay because okay. they were saying while the star religious group doesn't have cursed energy abilities they got deep pockets ah so my thinking is is that they're gonna hire him to go take down this vessel so we're getting our first introduction to the big baddie but i was really surprised when they said fushiguru i was like holy shit is this megami's dad dude (laughs) i I think it might be it might be his he said his wife just died uh so we could have a little little megami sitting at the house and my man's trying to get some money or he's got a yeah, or he's banished from the clan because his wife died, and that was the only thing keeping him in it. Because he said that he took his wife's name, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, he did say that. So I think he is just basically a very strong cursed, you know, energy user who was brought into the family through marriage. Because I mean, this is this is a really fucked up Japanese weird culture thing they got going on here. So it might have been arranged marriage or something like that. But from what I can tell, he basically was cast aside when she died because they created you know the next generation already. So why did they need him there? You know. Hmm, that's a good fucking point. Interesting. So we'll have to see where that goes. I mean, he's definitely going to be the bad guy. He's fucking yoked. Yeah, I mean, he was giving big bad boy vibes. Uh, um, he was he was very mysterious looking, you know, clad in black, like you said, swole. So, real swole. But yeah, what'd you guys think of the uh, the intro and outro for this one? Well, I, I felt like the outro fit the tone of the season mm-hmm. but it definitely was not a bigger bob than lost in paradise that'll never happen so dude yeah. lost in paradise is such a good outro that'll yeah. never happen i mean that's like the outro version of like um cruel angels thesis from like evangelion like it's just peak opening and you know like you're not touching it yeah mm-hmm. like it's the the art style of um you know lost in paradise outro plus the actual music of lost in paradise like it's just it's just so good it just goes hand in hand but i feel like it was still good and uh, i feel like the intro went pretty hard um yeah and like i said the, the intro outro was a bop. 
Intro really, was an absolute bop. I really like the intro too because it started with like a prog rock, like progressive rock kind of vibe to it. Like it sounded yeah, like the band Polyphia, if you know those guys. It sounded like Polyphia, and I was like, oh shit, did they somehow get like this band to do it? And then it changed entirely. I was like, oh, they just had some good progressive rock opening right there. That was awesome. Yeah, like I, I was like, you know, the progressive rock like hit my ear, and I was like, you know, what? I don't know if this can carry for that long, and it went on for like fifteen seconds, and then it changed it up. I was like, banger. Banger. Here we <laughs> go. Man. But yeah, the outro was good, but like, you know, it can't can't really live up to the last one. Um no. I remember my sister used to fucking hate intros and outros. And I was like, you just gotta let this one rock for a second. She's like, Why are you making me why does this go so hard? <laughs> Talking about the outro, the Lost yeah. in Paradise. Yeah, Lost in Paradise. Yeah, she's like, Man, why does this go so hard? I was like, You need to Shazam that shit. <laughs> yeah, you're talking your iTunes, kid. You're talking to the guy with the anime hit Spotify playlist play when I'm getting uh, if I'm getting a little sleepy, I just show that on, dude. On a bop. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got the same shit, bro. Like seventy percent of my songs on my playlist is anime shit. <laughs> no, J pop. It just goes so. so hard, bro. Love uh, it, Tyler. You want to get it? I guess is that all we have for JJK? Yeah, I'm done. I think so. It, okay. I mean, it was all right. You know, it it wasn't a, a whole lot opener. happening, so yeah. just a little bit. So. But uh, yeah, we'll get into One Piece now. 1068, um, Moon Princess Echoes, the final phase of the land of Wano. So basically all the, si- all the sides, all the side battles are wrapping up and we return to Roof Piece to find Kaido mourning Big Mom. Meanwhile, Orochi finally gets to learn who Kamurasaki really is. And basically the episode starts off with our man, Izzo, trying to stop CP0 from advancing, you know, um, trying to, because they just got the order in, I'm pretty sure, to, to take down Luffy, right? They just, uh, the elders just was like, yo, um, we Ship's need you to stop down. what you're doing right now and eliminate Straw Hat right this second. And Izzo's just like, no, we, <laughs> we ain't doing that. I'm not stepping away. I'm not turning a blind eye. We we doing this right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I really enjoy I loved that scene. Um, because like you got a flashback to Izu and Kiko Kiko as kids, and I think Izo said they're like Straw Hat is the one who is going to save my country. We cannot let him get taken down through some bullshit. Like we need, I need to do this. And uh, Izo fight in CP0, I really enjoyed that scene. I thought the fight was cool. It was kind of quick, but it was cool to see the finger pistol getting thrown around a good bit again, you know? Yeah, like you said, it was quick, but like it was still very impactful uh, with the flashback and uh, you know, Izo just taking a stand. He knew he couldn't beat them. Uh, I think he knew that for a fucking fact, but he had to try. And uh, him, uh, him saying to uh, Kinemon earlier, way earlier in the anime at this point uh he's like you know i'm 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 prepared to die you know today like it's 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 fine like i'm okay to die um and he proved it <laughs> he he got finger pistoled about four or five times and uh my man's laid out in the fire right now yeah like you said there there's no way he went into that battle uh thinking that he was gonna live uh so i'm pretty i'm 99 sure that he knew that he was gonna die but he had to at least um, uh, do something, take 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 them both out, or at least one. So, yeah, and he got Maha, you know. Yeah, he got Maha pretty good. He, got, he gave him the uh, 
the old blunderbuss to the to the heart of what it looked like or the chest. Oh, little blick black blow, dude. The the, yeah. the blicky our blicky boy got him. And that was only possible because he he was he knew he was gonna die, so he put yeah. himself in a situation that uh, would kill him in order to kill you know Maha. So yeah, he like yeah Maha put out the, the finger pistol and like he grabbed the hand and then he's just like you know I just put the blicky blicky to your chest like I can't miss bang. <laughs> Dude, I thought it was crazy that Maha that entire fight didn't let go of his mask that he holds. That's his, his hand. I'm like, that's crazy. Dude's out here throwing finger pistols, running around like a maniac, and like, Raven. just hold the fucking bass the whole time. <laughs> my man said, if Shanks don't eat it, need an arm, neither do I. <laughs> Damn. I don't think Maha's built like that, dude. <laughs> Clearly, he was not. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was definitely sad to see Izo go out, but I like that he went out fighting and. You know, awesome for his shit, for his land, for his sister, for everybody. So I thought that was awesome. That it was it was fucking sick. No joke. Um, I think after that we went back to uh, Zunisha, the carrier of Zoe, getting pulled up on by the world government uh, ships, kind of blocking the island of Wano from them, and calling out to Momo saying, "Yo, I'm here for you. Like, I'm I'm here to help fight alongside you. I'm your boy." Um, Zunisha is a man, right? Pretty sure uh, Zunisha's a man. Right? It's an elephant, dude. I don't fucking yeah. know. It's a, it's. I think it's a man elephant. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's one of Joy Boy's boys. That's all we know. All right, Yo. I guess boys. Yeah, we're rolling yeah. with it. We're rolling with it. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so Mama, yeah, hears him calling out, and he, like he's explaining it to uh Yamato, and he's like, you know, I'm supposed to be the one. This confirms I'm supposed to be the one to lead the world into the new era. I think Yamato actually says that, and then. Momo went on to say some bitch shit. Um, I thought he had got it all out of him. I was very proud of my boy the last month and a half or so, maybe two months. And he says he's now afraid to open the borders at the cost of his people. Wise leadership, but like, you know, everybody's been dying on that shit, trying to say we're going to open these borders no matter what. Um, and you, you're thinking about going back on it. What did y'all think about that? Well, I don't think they're really dying just because to open the borders, I think they're dying, you know, because Kaido was, you know, enslaving them. And, That's uh, fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was his father's, like, last wish, though, was to open the borders yeah. of Wano. And, and that, um, that's the part of it, you know. But that's what the retainers were also fighting for. Yeah. I mean, they were fighting for the land of Wano, but they, they, what was very important to them was fulfilling Odin's dream. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it's that he doesn't want to open the borders. I think it's that he wants to wait for the right time, if that makes sense. I'll buy it. I'll go with it. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense to do that because, like, if, if they open the borders up as soon as, you know, if, say, if, you know, Luffy and them win and they open the borders up as soon as, you know, uh, the battle concludes, then what happens if uh, somebody else wants to come and say, hey, I want to try to do what Kaido just did. How are they going to stop him when they're all half dead? So It's, fu- it's fucking Luffy's territory now. <laughs> well, he's, you know, if, if he, you know, like got to that point, say, you know, you know Lu- how he is after battles, you know? Yeah, Luffy's face for the party that he's out. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't think anybody's pulling up on Luffy's territory like that, though. 
you know, he goes yet, to a right? place. He goes to a place. His crew jumps Big Mom and Kaido wins. Um, if he wins overall, I'm mean, obviously the world government's pulling up, so he has to beat them too. And then you're gonna pull up on his island. You must well, be think, high. Ain't ain't his fleet like protecting his shit too? So his fleet's definitely not a Wano though. Yeah, well, it's protecting all his other shit, though. You know, (laughs) I don't think I'd even try it, bro. I was gonna say, there's a giant fucking elephant out there. So good. Also that. (laughs) (laughs) Also that. Get stomped on. Um, (laughs) So yeah, but you know, it's it's Momo. He he just got on my good side, so I was looking for a reason to hate. I ain't gonna lie. That's fair (laughs) enough. Yeah, I think Yamato was kind of speechless, though, when, when he said that, right? Like, she didn't really have an answer for him because he was kind of asking her, you know, what do you think, you know, or something like that. Yeah, or am I, I right? Think, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think Yamato let that shit happen either. Yeah. Because that's what she wants. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? So, yeah. But, uh... Yeah, so I guess we get into the next part, and we talk about Orochi. Is is that the next part, boys? Uh, there were a couple of things I think we we skipped over really quick. Um, so last episode we saw Zoro start falling off of Onigashima, and it oh, yeah. turns out that Frankie saves him. And Frankie's like, "Bro, what the fuck happened to you, dude? Are you alive?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm so still wondering if he's got his swords, bro. I ain't losing those, dude. No way. They're somewhere. They're gonna they're gonna turn up fucking somewhere. Um, but yeah, I was really glad that Frankie caught my man falling down. I was worried about him uh, falling down into the abyss. Not really sure where that is, uh, but it is the abyss with Big um, Mom, bro. <laughs> right down there, actually. That hole was big as fuck. Um, but then you had Frankie ask him, you know, yelling at him, "Zoro, are you alive, bro? Are you alive, dog?" And uh, obviously, Zoro's not gonna answer. He's barely alive. I know this man isn't gonna die, because uh, it's fucking Zoro. But yeah, it was it was good to see him get his body at least get secured. Especially as Onigashima is like falling apart. Uh Cat Viper is telling, you know, Carrot to come back inside. Uh something's gonna fall on you. And she's like, Yeah, I just need to get my spirits back together. And she come, you know, she comes on inside. But yeah, a lot of this was like kind of just cleaning up some of the smaller plot points. Um, because I think for the next couple of months, uh, you know, next eight or ten episodes, we're definitely going to be focused on uh, Roof Piece. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, some of the other points. Um, so uh, basically, we get to go back to. Uh, did you guys, sorry, I had to step away. Did you guys talk about Orochi and Komorosaki? No, not, not yet. No. Okay. So, like, the next big point was that um, the castle actually collapses partially on Orochi Maru. And. Orochi. Oh, sorry, Roach. I, I do this every Orochi fucking time, who? dude. Yeah. I've done this like five times, guys. I'm sorry. I got I got an average on the mind. They are both creepy, dude. But um, so basically, uh, Orochi is like stuck under like this pile of rubble, and Komurasaki's just there playing the shamisen, like playing some dastardly shit, you know, like her father's favorite song, uh, Moon Princess. And he's freaking out, like, oh my god, she she was dead. Is this a ghost? <laughs> Come on, man. Don't be that dumb. I mean, my man is... <laughs> he's seen crazier shit. But so, like, she starts, like, playing the song, then walks up and pulls out a uh, hair needle, which is what they use to hold their hair up, and stabs him with it. 
And he's sitting there, he's like, why can't I transform? Why can't I transform? And it turns out she had a sea prism needle mm. that she stabbed with him. So she can't, he can't use her, his devil fruit power, which was pretty, pretty big brain on uh, Komurasaki's part. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, afterwards, she actually reveals who she is. Because uh, he's like, you know, don't you love me? Why would you do this to me? She's like, man, I don't love you. Uh, I've never had any love for you. And then reveals that she is Odin's daughter. And the song she always plays, uh, Moon Princess, is uh, Odin, Odin's favorite song that she plays. And uh, he is flabbergasted. And uh, she's like, didn't she say that she was the only reason she was wearing that mask is to hide her smile? Yeah. That's some badass shit right there. I love it, dude. We didn't. There's a crazy, crazy scene coming up probably next episode with this whole interaction, too. I don't think they got into it, right, Tyler? No, they did not. Yeah, yeah. so the next episode is kind of a scene that had uh, a lot of a lot of people on Twitter freaking out from the manga. So excellent. Excited to see that and kind of see like everybody's opinions on it because it was it was kind of interesting. I'm not going to say what it was, but (laughs) it really was. I, I, I think wanna... I think I read it in the manga and I was like, bro, did this just happen? Yeah. So <laughs> all right, all right. I do want to point something out um with uh Joseph telling uh, uh what is what is uh Gernika um to go interrupt Kaido and Luffy's battle. He was like, You want me to go interrupt Kaido? <laughs> right. <laughs> so you, we're talking about the same same dragon man? Um, he's like, you know, that's going to be very, very difficult. He's like, yes, but we have to do it. It's coming down from the five elders, and he's like, it coming down directly from them. You know what that you know what that probably means, right? And you know, episodes and episodes ago, we did see the five elders talking about uh, the name of the Gomu Gomu fruit being changed. So there's some shit cooking, and I think CP Zero knows what's up at this point. So I'll, I'm going to let the audience connect those dots themselves. Uh, leave that up to them, but it's 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 heating up. Definitely. And speaking of heating up, we at the end of the episode we finally got back to the roof, and Luffy and Kaido boxing again. And this starts off with Kaido basically just having a meltdown because he realizes that uh, Lin Lin, you know his his rider died, big mom bitch, <laughs> <laughs> was defeated. And Luffy's all excited. He's like, oh, Traga and Eustace did it. Like, this is awesome. And um, Kaido is, like, crying. And Luffy just gets fired up, goes full-on Gear 4 Snake Man, which I've been so excited to see again. I mean, we haven't seen that in the, in the anime since... Uh, Doflamingo, right? No, no, that was, that was, that was after Doflamingo. That was uh, Whole Cake Island when he was fighting Katakuri. Okay. So we haven't seen that in, like... Five years? Long yeah. last time. Long so I was really time. excited to see that. You know, for people who were following weekly, I saw it last year, but <laughs> two years. It's, it's been some years for me. It's been at least uh I think it's been at least three years, three to four years for me. Um, because I was almost caught up at Whole Kick Island. Um I felt bad for Kaido because he didn't get to properly grieve. Um he was crying and did have that little uh flashback moment to where like he was joining the Rocks crew and Lin Lin was like Hey, you know, how old are you? Who are you? And like, you know, I guess that became like his biggest sister in a way. Um, Because she kind of like brought him on and actually seemed like she cared about him. She was talking shit because she's big mom. But like, it was pretty obvious that like she was just like, you know, busting his chops and actually really cared about what happened to him. I did love how he called her an old hag at some point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So I want to touch on something that I seen like all over Twitter after this episode, and it is a theory that Big Mom is actually Yamato's mom. No, no. You don't, you don't <laughs> Stop so? cooking. Stop cooking. Well, you seen the flashback of you know little Big Mom, young Big Mom. Bad, and, baddie big mom is what yeah, the baddie big mom baddie mom and yeah but uh this got debunked super quick because uh big mom has a child who is the exact same age as yamato so it would have worked out oh pudding okay not pudding uh different child i mean she has fucking 60 kids so like yeah yeah she's pumping okay. them out <laughs> oh, you don't y'all don't y'all don't y'all ain't gonna give that no attention there i'm not no, I'm giving that I, I, zero I just, attention yeah I'm, I'm not buying that shit <laughs> Yeah, I didn't really believe it myself. I just wanted to see if y'all seen that and what y'all thought about it. So I, I definitely saw it. Then I opened up the comments and it was getting roasted. <laughs> that's why. I, that's where I got that uh, stop cooking uh, comment I just made. <laughs> Don't ever let him cook again. <laughs> nope. Yeah, no. One of my favorite moments of this though is um, uh, we actually uh see kid and law like the after, aftermath them just laying there exhausted everybody's celebrating all the you know minions celebrating and i think kid asked law and it's like do we need to prepare for who comes down that hole you know if it's kato i think we need to prepare and law's just like nah if, if kato comes down that hole we're just done so i ain't got the energy bro you're not getting the energy back either man law needs law and kid need like a week to recuperate after that shit oh yeah so, oh yeah yeah i and really yeah, enjoyed Kyler that came down, it was a wrap yeah it was so, it was cool though i did like yeah. that it was like we gotta believe because if kato comes down that we're just done bro mm -hmm. it's a whole wrap definitely um, and there was one line i really liked from luffy he basically was like i'm gonna kick you out of the land of wano at any cost so i'm excited to see where this fight goes animated because it's gas in the manga and frankly, everything's better with the pretty colors in the movement, you know? <laughs> sure. Now now we we have to focus on roof piece. Like there's nothing like there's literally only I think uh, a couple more things, like Orochi and uh cause is it Kazimbo, I think is still going and uh Kazimbo's done so already. Yeah, Kazimbo's done so. It's just it? uh the final yeah. scene with Orochi and then we're on the roof. Maybe a little more of Momo yeah. talking to Zunisha, but that's really about it. Yeah, Kasimba okay, flew yeah. off um, uh, last episode, so he, okay. he's, done. he's done. I didn't. I didn't know if it like uh, got rid of Kazimbo all the way or not. So, but ah, it's gone. It's okay. gone. We've we're, we've like tied up ninety nine percent of it. So I'm really excited. Oh, he's now out of here. We on the roof piece, boys. Like that's that's Finally. the only thing happening. So. Mm -hmm. finally well awesome and guys we appreciate you joining for this week's weekly rundown at number 23 i uh, hope you guys are enjoying the summer 23 shows we're covering as much as we are if you haven't checked out zom 100 yet definitely recommend it i know the rest of these shows are pretty popular so uh make sure to check out our discord and socials linktree.com slash anime dgens and we'll catch you guys on thursday for the Anime DGEN's Bullshit Hour podcast. Thanks, guys.